Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to begin in the passage that begins with verse 32. But before we get to verse 32, I want to direct your attention in starting this morning to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. As the author continues to encourage, inspire, and motivate the recipients of this letter to not quit, to not throw in the towel, to keep on moving forward in spite of the adversity and the difficulties and the challenges that they are facing. And in the midst of this great passage of scripture here in Hebrews chapter 10, the author shares these thoughts. He says that we need endurance. It is of absolute necessity. We need endurance in order to do the will of God and receive what God has promised. You can't make it any more clear than that. In other words, if any of us here this morning, if we're interested in doing the will of God, which I hope we are, I hope that's one of the reasons why we're here. If we're at all interested in doing the will of God in our life, then the author clearly says to us, we need endurance. We cannot accomplish the will of God throughout our life. We cannot accomplish the will of God as a church if we are not willing to endure. The word endure speaks about steadfastness. It speaks about stick to It talks about staying power, that sort of supernatural hang in there strength that God will impart to us if we're interested in doing his will and relying and depending upon him. Now, I wanted to start there because I think that there's a key principle that the author is laying out here that we need to remind ourselves of. And that is, if I'm on the path of doing the will of God, I'm probably going to face even more hurdles, more challenges, more opposition, and more resistance in my life than if I wasn't seeking to do the will of God. I think sometimes there's this erroneous philosophy out there amongst Christians that if we engage in doing the will of God, that, that God will just, you know, the road will be easy and, and, and it'll just sort of lay out before us and we're never going to really have to, you know, uh, go through up and down, you know, mountains and face all these different things. And, and what the author is saying is, oh my, let's never get to that point. Let's remind ourselves continually that if we're locked into doing the will of God, that there's going to be hurdles all the time. There's going to be challenges all the time. There's going to be obstacles and opposition and resistance continually in our lives. And so the only way then to really continually do the will of God is to have this kind of endurance that only God can give us. Otherwise, we're just going to quit. We're just going to just back down, back off, give up, give in, and not continue to go down that path. Now, every one of us in this room this morning, we face that challenge even not only as a church, but individually. Every day we might come up to what I'm going to call a giant 
Something that is standing in our way, an impediment, some, some kind of obstacle that is preventing us from continuing to move forward spiritually. And for each of us, we have a choice. We can be like the children of Israel who, you know, sent the spies into the land and God's will was clearly for them to continue following God in spite of all that they were dealing with and to trust him and move into the land and begin to fight off the enemies there and take control of the land for themselves that God has promised them. But if you know the story, they sent the spies into the land. The spies come back and said, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It's just as God described, but there's giants in that land. And they're bigger than we are and they're more than we are. And therefore, the children of Israel at that moment made a crucial defining decision in their life. Instead of moving forward and enduring and continuing to do the will of God, they backed off. They retreated. They backed down because of the giants that were in their way. But then you have another story in the Bible about a giant named Goliath who similarly was standing as an impediment, as an obstacle, as a challenge to the children of God. And all these great soldiers of Israel backed down from that giant. But there was a shepherd boy named David who would not back down because he knew the principle as he walked with God. That you and I, if we're going to do the will of God, we need endurance. And we cannot get to a place in our life where just because there's a giant in our way that we back off. Because God's always bigger than any giant we're going to face. God is always bigger than any impediment, any obstacle, any opposition, any resistance that you and I are going to face. And so if it's God's will that we move down that path, it's not that we're not going to have giants in the way. It's what are we going to do when we face that giant? Are we going to back off? Are we going to retreat? Are we going to give up and give in? Or are we going to face that giant and in God's strength and God's power overcome those giants? Even now, I believe that some of you here, even at the Oasis, you have not stepped up and stepped into service and ministry and doing things for God because... Something's in your way. Either mentally you're going through the whole exercise of, well, what if I fail? Which you will. Okay, can I just tell you? You will. We all do. If we're going to ever do anything for God, part of it's going to be we fail at times. What we need to learn to do in our failure is to grow from it, learn from it, and move on from it. Others of you... You're afraid to step up because you're going to face maybe some resistance, maybe some comments, maybe some even criticism. And so like sort of that turtle, if you will, instead of moving forward and getting out of the shell, what happens? We crawl back into the shell and we move back because we think, well, that's, that's where it's safe. If I don't put myself out there, then I don't invite anything either. The problem with that philosophy in life, especially for us as Christians who are called to be God's light in this world, then that also means our life is never really shining for God as God intends for it to be. Because every time we face a little something in our life, 
Like the turtle, we just crawl back into the shell. And I'm hoping that today this message will inspire, encourage, and motivate some of you to emerge instead of shrinking back, instead of retreating, instead of going back. Because in your mind, you've convinced yourself that's safer. So that's why the author of Hebrews writes these words at this point. This is also a great illustration in this passage of scripture of the principle we've been sharing throughout our study of Hebrews, which is if we're not going forward spiritually, we're going backwards. And he makes reference to that at the very beginning of the passage we're going to look at this morning, beginning in verse 32. Would you please look at that with me? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. Notice he says, He wants his recipients of this letter to remember, to consider thoughtfully the former days. Now, God doesn't want us to live in the past. But what the author is saying is you realize, speaking to those that are listening to to him, that you were spiritually better off in the past than you are now. And he's going to actually give them specific illustrations of how they were spiritually stronger in the past than what they were now. And why then is he asking them to consider that? Because he wants them to compare and contrast where they are now compared to where they were. And it's hopefully going to be not only a wake-up call, but also sort of a reminder that, you know, you used to be in a better place than where you are now, which means if you used to be there, that means you can be there again. You can recapture that. You can get back there again. If you were there before, you can get there again. Now, hopefully all of us, you know, we can look back on some of the past seasons of our life and say, man, that's where I was spiritually strong. But hopefully none of us are in that place like the recipients of this letter of Hebrews where we could say, Well, I was stronger back then than I am now. Now, if that's the case, things can start to change even today for you, if you're in that place. But God always wants us to keep our walk with him current and wants us to continue to make progress and grow throughout our lives rather than being like the recipients of this letter. And many Christians today, their testimony would be, well, there was a day where I was closer to God than I am now. There was a day where I read my Bible every day and I prayed every day and I was in church faithfully, but yeah, not so much now. Well, that was where the recipients of this letter were as well. And notice all that they endured in their past. He says, hey, can I remind you guys that in the former days, you endured a harsh conflict of suffering after you were saved or enlightened? He's saying, you stood your ground in very intense battles. You were willing to endure hardship and pain when you first became a Christian. And then he goes on in verse 33 to say, at times you were publicly exposed. You were ridiculed. You were shamed. You were mocked. He goes on to say, oh, and by the way, you were verbally abused. And yet, in the past, in former times, you endured it. You stood your ground. 
because you were doing the will of God. But you've gotten to a place now where you've shrunk. You've become so weak and so unhealthy that at the prospects of any kind of resistance, any hurdle, any challenge, any obstacle, instead of trusting God to get you over it and to get you through it, I'm backing off and I'm backing down. Notice he also goes on to say, you were willing to be afflicted, which means persecuted. They were under severe pressure in their lives as Christians. He says, and even at other times, you came to share with others who were treated in the same way. By the way, I love this word shared. It's where we get the word fellowship from. Which reminds us that sometimes we as Christians have a wrong sort of idea what fellowship is. The only time we throw that word around is when we're sitting down at a meal with each other. (laughs) We're fellowshipping. And although we do that quite well here at the Oasis, that's not the only sort of meaning of this word fellowship. It means to enter into a partnership, companionship, and share in what others are going through. It's sort of learning to be empathetic and sympathetic, especially to other Christians who are suffering. Which is what he goes on to say in verse 34. He says, in fact, you shared the sufferings of those in prison. Speaking about those who were thrown in prison for the cause of of Jesus Christ. And then he says, and you accepted the confiscation of your belongings with joy. He says, there was a time in the past where you were ready and willing to let go of all of your material possessions. And it didn't bother you because your joy with God and your joy of God was so great that it didn't matter what the world took away from you and how much you had to, in a sense, give up for the cause of Christ. You were willing to do it. And so, again, wow, he's painting a pretty amazing picture of these folks and where they stood just a short time ago. But they're not there anymore. And the reason they're not there anymore is they've lost their endurance. And so he speaks to that here in just a few verses. Notice he says, again in verse 34, In fact, you shared the sufferings of those in prison, and you accepted the confiscation of your belongings with joy because you knew, you knew that you certainly had a better and lasting possession or treasure. I want to stop here for a moment because this is a key verse in this passage of Scripture. He says, the reason you as Christians were willing to put up with and go through with and endure all these things in the past, one of the reasons is because of what you knew. Well, now let's think about that. It's not like they don't know that now. It's not like what they knew in the past just sort of like floated out of their mind and now they don't know it anymore. I mean, once you and I know something like they knew this, that's going to hang in there the rest of our lives because this word knew or know is a very strong word in the original language. It means to know something by experience. It means to be intimately acquainted with something. 
So what he's saying is this. The reason you were willing to deal with all that you dealt with in the past is because you knew something. And what you knew is that the treasure that you had in Christ, the treasure that you had in doing the will of God, the treasure that you had in walking with Christ was better and more lasting than anything anyone else or the world could ever offer you. You knew that. And that's why you lived the way you did. Well, again, so does that mean that they don't know that now? No, but here's the principle that's really important. And that is, but they had lost focus of what they knew. They weren't turning their minds on what they knew. They weren't turning their attention every day to what they already knew. And therefore, even though they knew this, if you would ask them, do you believe that as a Christian, what Christ offers you in following him and and what a servant of God can have is better than what the world can offer and it's longer lasting, they would probably go, yeah, I believe that. Well, then why is your life look different? Because they lost sight of what they knew. It wasn't wasn't something that, that they were meditating on, that they were considering, that they were pondering on a daily basis. Which brings up the point of why it's so important that you and I keep our walk with God current and we are everyday disciples of God. Because just like them, I can know something. I can say, yeah, that's what the Bible teaches. I know that. But yet, it might not be affecting our life anymore. It might not be influencing or impacting our choices or decisions anymore. Why? Because we knew it, but it's no longer front and center as I consider how I live my life. It's not not what's right in front of me every day. What now has gathered my attention are my negative circumstances have become more, you know, more in front of me than what I know that God has revealed. And, and maybe the criticism of others is now all that I think about and not what God has revealed. Maybe it's the challenge or the giant that's in my way and all I can see is the giant. I can't see God's word anymore. Again, it's not that we don't know it, but we're not focused on it. And that's why the author here is saying, listen, in order for us to endure to do the will of God and to be the people of God that we need to be at this very moment and not retreat in our lives, it's not enough just to know. It's not enough just to know. I've got to keep that knowledge ingrained in me and part of my thought process every day of my life. Otherwise, I can end up just like the recipients of the letter of Hebrews. I can know certain things and even state them as facts that I believe in, but they're really, on a very practical level, not impacting my everyday life. So that's really important that we understand that and grasp that concept. But then notice he also goes on to say this. He says, so do not throw away your confidence. First of all, I should go back just a minute. Let me ask a question. And I don't want you to answer it. I mean, I want you to answer it 
inside of you, but you don't need to outwardly. Do you know this morning that you have a better and lasting treasure? Because maybe that's where it all starts. If, if you don't really know that, then you are going to get very distracted by all the things around and you're probably struggling right now to do the will of God and keep enduring. Because you've not come to a place yet, even like these folks did at one time in their life, where they really knew that what they had in Christ was always going to be better and much more lasting than what they could ever have apart from Christ. It didn't mean that they were living it right now, but they knew that. Well, for you and I, it starts with even getting to that place where we know it. And I hope that that, in a sense, has become at least solidified in your mind that you would say, yes, I have the conviction, I have the confidence, I believe that whatever I have in Christ, whatever Christ offers me is always better than anything else. And it's definitely far lasting. Because what Christ offers us is eternal treasure. Which is why Jesus says, lay up treasure for yourself in heaven and not on earth. Because if our focus is just on earth and what earth can offer us, then after we leave earth, we have to leave it all behind. It's not eternal. It's not abiding. It doesn't remain. In fact, it doesn't even remain here on earth. It wears out pretty quickly. Do I know that? And then he says, and don't throw your confidence overboard. Which is really what the wording he's using here. It's like we're on a ship, we're getting into some rough seas, and I just throw my confidence overboard. I just jettison it out of my life. By the way, the word confidence here isn't speaking about the confidence that I have in God. It's speaking about the fearless courage and bold resolve that we should have as followers of Jesus Christ. That we are willing, when a giant comes up to us, to stand there like David and say, you may be a lot bigger than me. You may seem intimidating to me. But I'm here standing in the name and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of confidence God wants us to live with. He wants us to live with the kind of confidence that that small shepherd boy had, who was willing, instead of shrinking back like the rest of the Israeli army did, to stand up in the face of the giant and say, I don't care how big you are, you're going to fall because God, my God, is more powerful than you. That's the kind of confidence he wants us to have. And so many Christians just throw that out. And then when they start living their life and every day they come up against another giant or they come up against opposition or obstacles or hurdles or resistance, they just get intimidated and they just back down. And God is saying to us, the only way you and I can experience the will of God, the only way we can achieve the will of God, accomplish it and do it in our life is not to ever back down from those things, but to stand up to them. And in order to do that, we need God's endurance in our life. Notice he says, so do not throw away your confidence because it has great reward. Not only for this life, 
Because God is going to, in a sense, make us overcomers who see more victory in our life than defeat. But he's also reminding the readers here that there are eternal consequences, if you will, or compensation to us learning not to throw our confidence away and standing up to these giants. And the reward, many Christians, I think, get a misunderstanding that when they think of rewards, they think of, oh yeah, when we get to heaven, uh, the Bible says something about crowns. We're going to get these crowns, whatever they look like, and then we're going to cast them at Jesus' feet. And somehow we're going to be recognized somehow. Well, that's just a small aspect of that whole reward thing. Because the Bible more often talks about reward in eternity as what will be our role or responsibility or service in the eternal kingdom. And so the author is reminding his recipients of that. He's saying, look, If you and I don't learn to stand up and overcome these giants, don't we realize that there's going to be eternal loss for us? Not that we're not going to be in heaven, but we're going to limit the, the role and responsibility and kingdom service that God will entrust to us if he can't entrust us to stand up to the giants now. And that's something that many Christians don't often ponder or consider. And yet Jesus spoke about that aspect in parable after parable after parable. He would say things like, if you've been faithful in these few things, I will make you faithful and entrusted with many things in the eternal kingdom. But it's all based on, are we going to back down and retreat? Are we going to stand up and learn to be overcomers? And so notice then he goes on to say, For you and I need absolute necessity, endurance in order to do God's will and receive what is promised. Just like the children of Israel needed to endure. They needed to stick to it. They needed staying power. They needed to be steadfast. They needed to... Have God build that constancy into their lives through thick and thin. Or as even Paul says to Timothy, speaking to a young minister, he says, preach the word in season and out of season. Whether you feel like it or not, be there, be a model of stability, be constant, be steadfast, be someone that the people can count on. Well, guess what? That's true for all of us. That's not just true for spiritual leaders in the church. That's true for all of us. God wants to build that kind of supernatural hang in there strength. That the moment you and I face a giant, face resistance, face opposition, face an obstacle, our immediate response isn't to just back down and back off. Our immediate response is to turn to God and look to God and say, God, how do you and I get over that? How do you and I face that? And that's what God's calling us to do as a church. That's part of why for us, the next step in this process and moving forward is to secure that piece of property. But that's just the beginning of this new phase. And we're going to have to endure. Because guess what? Just like individually, any church that wants to move forward and, and truly bring 
God glory and wants to focus on the spiritual growth of God's people like we do here at the Oasis. And it's going to open up the word of God and teach it like we do here. And we're going to focus people on worshiping God and adoring him as we try and seek to do here. Oh, there's going to be all kinds of opposition and resistance and obstacles in our way. You can count on it. And we're either going to be the type of people who just get tired because we're not walking in the strength of God. And we just back off and back down and say, you know what, it it was just easier when we didn't, you know, move forward with God. Or we're going to be the type of people that in spite of all the stuff that gets thrown at us, we just continually look to God and find a way through it. That's the kind of people that God wants to build in his kingdom. Notice he says in verse 37, just a little longer and he who is coming will arrive and not delay. I love that. The Messiah is going to break into history in such a dramatic way and he is going to turn this world upside down. And the author is saying, listen, in a little while, and it doesn't just mean that Christ's return is imminent. It also means, don't you realize the brevity of our lives and the certainty of eternity? That even if Jesus Christ doesn't come in our lifetime... It's still just a little while longer and things are going to change even for us. Because compared to eternity, you know, you and I may fortunately be here 60, 70, 80, 90, even maybe 100 years on this earth. But compared to eternity, it's just a short little time. Which is why Paul said to the Corinthians, Our momentary light afflictions on earth cannot even be worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us as the children of God. This is what the author of Hebrews is getting at here as well. And then he says, but my righteous one will live by faith. The one who is acceptable to God, the one who pleases God, the one who will hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant, lives by faith. And next week, we're going to talk about faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But notice the next words. But if he or she shrinks back, God says, I take no pleasure or delight in him. Again, let's talk about the word shrink. It means to step back. It means to retreat. It means to back down. Here we are facing something. And we're going back rather than continuing to move forward. And God says, I want my people to be an example to the rest of the world. Of what a human being can accomplish with me. Well, what kind of testimony are we as the people of God if every time we come up against a giant in our life, we back down and let the giant win? The world can do that. People who don't have God in their life do that because obviously the giant is bigger than them by themselves, just like the giant would be bigger than us. But you and I aren't facing our giants alone. We are facing our giants with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And therefore, there should be no giant, nothing, no one that can stand in our way of doing the will of God. So the author is saying to his readers, what kind of Christian are you going to be? You're going to be one that faces obstacles and opposition and hurdles and resistance and giants in your life? And are you going to shrink? Are you going to cower and be intimidated and back down and back off and retreat? Or in the power of Jesus Christ, claim the power that Paul did and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Is that the kind of follower of Christ we will be? Is that the kind of church we will be? God is looking. I love, though, how the author ends this in verse 39. It's like a rallying cry. Because he has been pretty tough on these folks for a while. But he wants them to know, look, I know you guys. I know where you were. I know how much you endured for the cause of Christ earlier on in your Christian life. And if you are willing to go through all that, I know that you can recapture that. I know you can get strong again. I know you can face your giants again. I know that you don't have to be that turtle that retreats into your shell anymore. But you can proudly walk through this life with confidence, with fearless courage and bold resolve. And live for the Lord Jesus Christ once again. Which is why he says in verse 39, but we are not among those who are going to shrink back and perish. But we are among those who will be faithful followers and preserve our souls. By the way, let me comment on a couple words there. Because sometimes Christians read the word perish and think that that speaks of physical death or, you know, eternal punishment or something, and it doesn't. It simply means one who experiences loss, pain, and misery in their life. And what the author is simply saying is you realize as Christians, if we don't continue to walk forward with God and endure and do God's will, and we shrink back and we retreat, that we're going to experience loss. Because we're never going to become all that God created us to be. And, and we're, we're going to experience the loss of what could have been in our life, but we didn't have the faith and the courage and the confidence to continue to move forward. And we're going to miss out on what God has for us. Just like the children of Israel who never entered the promised land and missed out on what God had for them because of their unbelief. Because they backed down from the giants. And God is saying to us, don't perish. Don't experience unnecessary loss in your life. Continue to be a faithful, devoted follower of Jesus Christ who preserves your soul. The word soul in the Bible speaks about, again, the person that God created each of us to be. The potential that he placed within each one of us. And God is saying to his people... I want you to become all that I created you to be, all that I placed within you, all that spiritual potential and ability and talent and spiritual gifts and all of that that I have in you. Are you realizing it yet? Are you even on the road to realizing it yet? 
Well, we'll never realize any of it if we back down. We'll never realize any of it if, as the author says, we shrink. The only way we realize and begin to realize who we are in Christ and who God created us to be is to step up to the giant and say, God, let's overcome this giant together. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to retreat. I don't want any of you to disengage with me. I don't want you to lose your focus. Stay here with me. But I want to ask our worship team if they would come and get settled on stage for just a moment. I want to make this real personal to us today, this message, because if you know how I, I teach the Word of God, I want to make this as practical as possible. And I want to translate this down, not even just to our church, but to each of us individually. And I want to do it in this way today. Every one of us here in this auditorium, if you are a Christian, then you are a gift to the body of Christ. Which means that God wants you to emerge and to not be that turtle that goes back into your shell because you think it's safe and because you don't want to, you don't want to fail, you don't want to deal with your fears. You don't want to be criticized or have anyone comment or anything like that. It's just safer to stay back in my shell. And what God is saying to us today is you and I can never accomplish God's will for our lives, even on an individual basis, if that's our mindset. Because I'll just tell you, plain, if that was my mindset each week, I'd be sitting where you are. Instead of being here. And God has that same desire for you. But what that means is, you got to be willing to stand up to whatever's holding you back. Keeping you back. Getting you to a place where you shrink because you face something. Instead of looking to God and saying, God, we're going to overcome this together. So that I can learn to watch you work through me and use my life in ways that I could never imagine if I never stood out there and stepped out by faith. I mean, the song right before the message today and the song we're going to sing right now is so appropriate for where we've been in God's word today. Because so many Christians today unfortunately, sadly, have thrown away their confidence. And they're not stepping up to the giants. They're letting the giants in their life dictate to them. And they're like that little turtle that's retreating back into their shell. God doesn't want us as a church to be like that. And we're not going to be like that. So if you're on this journey with us as the Oasis Church, then here's the deal. We're going to do everything we can to encourage you, as long as you're on this journey with us, to emerge from that shell that you've, that you've been in.
and to step up and begin to let God show you all that he has placed within you and all the potential that you have to bring glory to him. And it starts right here in your local church where you begin to learn to serve and grow and minister as he has willed it. Use this final song today as a song of commitment and dedication that you will from this day forward not back down to the giants. Not shrink, but stand up and continue to move forward. Father, we pray today that we would never throw away our confidence that we would maintain our fearless courage and bold resolve as followers of Jesus Christ. That we would be like that little shepherd boy, David, that in spite of the intimidating giant in his way, he stood right up to him and faced him because he knew he was standing in the name and power of the Lord. And God, I pray today that the spirit of David would invade this place. And God, that, that people like never before, Christians, would get out of their shell and stop shrinking back and stop retreating in their life and realize, God, that we are going to have to endure in order to do your will. That the will of God is going to come with obstacles, hurdles, resistance, all those things. And so, God, if we're going to truly do your will, we have got to learn to endure. We've got to learn through you to jump over those hurdles and not back down from them. And God, I pray that that would begin today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.